catchphrase, by the way. By the way, we need a catchphrase. Yeah, that's what I just said. Thanks. For yeah, listening. that's what I just said. That, thanks for listening. Eric is awesome. You wish you could be more like him. Eric is awesome. You wish you could be more like him. Thanks, Keegan. Speaking of which, that's called a segue. Not a good one because we're dumb com creators. We need a catchphrase. We do need a catchphrase. Uh, oh, I got to start need, this week. We also need to introduce our I'm gonna show. Edit, I'm going to edit it from where I said it. No, I'm fine. And you agreed I, with me. And I'm just going to simply spend the entire time just saying, we need a catchphrase halfway through this. So you have trouble remembering where you're supposed to edit it. <laughs> this podcast will be five minutes long because you'll say this at the very <laughs> end. I already know. And then I'll get confused. We need a catchphrase. All right. It's All getting right. shorter as we go. Okay, cool. It's a paradox. Apologize to our, apologies to our guest, Daniel Welch. Uh, okay. And <laughs> and we're done. Bye. Great show, guys. Great show, guys. All right. But anyways, we are, as you could just get through that great introduction, dumb com creators. I am Eric Schwartz, accompanied by... Keegan Shiner. That is your name indeed. I agree. I'm glad I have your approval. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I approve your name. Thanks. Are you running for office of the name board? I am. I'm the pri- I'm I'm in the primary right now. I I uh, we need to shake this out. This is just so <laughs> awkward right now. It's forced, Eric. It's become it's, forced. What? The if, introduction? If we, if we came up with a catchphrase, I feel like we wouldn't be forcing this so much. This isn't a forced thing. I I, the actual question that I ask every time, and I always get the same answer that you don't have one. Well, how how come I have to be in charge of everything? It's just a suggestion. Like if you suggested, hey Eric, maybe you should think of a catchphrase. I'll do it. But I, I have said that. I've said and that. And I haven't times. thought of one yet, so that's why I keep on saying it. It's my way of saying I have failed you, and it's my way of apologizing for failing. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, that's our version of previously on. Uh, so today we have a wonderful indie comic artist. He's about to print uh, a comic that he's been working on for several years. His name is Daniel Welch. Hello. Did I say that correctly. Yeah, that's right. Welch. Welch. Mm-hmm. Is it Welch like uh Yeah. Welch like is grape juice. juice. Like the grape juice. <laughs> First cool. time I heard that actually. So. Is it is it Daniel like Daniel Boone? Or Daniel Radcliffe, mm-hmm. the famous British actor? I prefer uh, Daniel Klaus, but hey. Daniel who? Klaus? Clouds? Oh. Uh he he made that comic the swirled. Sorry. Oh yeah, Ghost World, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh that's a movie. Daniel Radcliffe is in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Boone could have been in a movie. Who knows? Who, wait, who's Daniel Boone? Daniel Boone. He was uh, one of the guys at the uh, Alamo. Yeah. That, and uh, uh, he was like a famous, uh, famous uh, one of those um, cowboys trappers. Actually, he wasn't a cowboy. He was a trapper. They like uh, caught small animals for their fur and stuff, and then good for him. He's like he, Davy Crockett. Yeah, they, they were friends. That's they died together. Right. Yep, 
they died together. In each other's arms. They were holding. Maybe. Um, a little known Elmo fact. <laughs> you can watch several movies about that, actually. Mm-hmm. They're all historically inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> so, Daniel, um, I think what we wanted to talk about were comics. <laughs> and so let's. Hey, Keegan, that kind of feels forced right there. It, it was a forced feel forced. It did. Um, so, uh, how did you start making comics? Um, I, I made like some comics as like a kid, I guess. Um, but mostly, I started my last semester of college. I took a comics course at the Museum School of Fine Arts in Boston, and just decided that that was, I had wasted the past four years and that's what I was going to do now. Interesting. Um, What was it about the class that really like made you want to stick with it? Um, I guess, I mean, mostly it was just an excuse, I think, to like finally, because I'd been reading and keeping up with comics for like years and then like, I never even like really tried to make one as like a, an adult or semi-adult and then uh, actually having like the materials in hand and like some basic principles I was like oh this is pretty doable and fun I don't know cool and and you said that you were before we started recording so that nobody gets confused uh, you said that you were a film major and an English minor so um, the reverse but Oh, you know, refer- who's yeah. counting? Sorry, that's what I was, and you were the <laughs> English major. English major. Right, right. Yeah, English yeah. major. Okay. And yeah, minor. Yep. Did you do a lot of creative writing and um, and storytelling through that, or? I did a little bit outside of class, but in both cases, it was mostly just like criticism, like okay. reading and essays and stuff. So it wasn't necessarily that you were making films or making uh short stories and then kind of like got into the medium because it was a hybrid uh it was actually that you were into comics and wanted to start making comics pretty much i think i mean i'd written a little bit of like um like short prose or whatever but it was always like like that itself was always kind of disjointed and like sort of non-linear in a way that I feel like works a lot better for comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started, eventually like all that started to make a little bit more sense than writing in just words. I see. Um, cool. So what, uh, do you have any influences on your comics before we start looking at a specific one? Um, I, Last night, I was reading the new Gabrielle Bell book. Um, okay. She She's like just one of the indie cartoonists that I feel like has always really stuck for me. Um, and it's somewhere between her and like Frank Miller was one of the first comic artists I got really into. Um, and I think was in like 
recently I've been revisiting some of that stuff and like been respecting it in a pretty different way a lot more. Um, the, I don't know, Chris Ware, I don't know, like okay. a lot okay. of the, the big ones. Cool. Yeah, those are those are pretty big names, actually. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, that's good because our everyone can kind of look those up. And it's not like there's a tiny amount or a select niche for them, so there's plenty to go around. Right. Yeah, that made no sense. I'm sorry. Thanks for contributing. <laughs> Thanks for contributing. <laughs> um. Also, I just I'm just reading your comics. I know a lot of them seem to have like almost be partially autobiographical in nature. Is that true across the board, or is that true for Select, or not true at all? It's uh, I think it's most mostly it's true. Other than like there are a couple in that one comic couple where it's like someone I hope is like clearly not me. If it's not like uh. Yeah, but no, predominantly it's like, I'll just use myself at least as like a model for the character. Because I think right now I still feel kind of nervous about drawing other people. Like there is a really good uh, quote by that cartoonist Daniel Klaus where he's like, he's just talking about how uh, like rude it is to draw someone else. And how how what kind of like a horrible violent thing to do to someone is to like show them what you think they look like. Interesting. So I'm still like this first one that you guys are looking at. Like that's me. That's something that happened to me. Oh yeah, this is couple. Yeah. Let's right. go back to that. Why? Um, why? What made you connect to to that quote about drawing uh, other people? Um, I mean, I feel like. Whenever I read about people talking about comics, like uh, the thing I really relate to most is when people are talking about how like drawing is a way of expressing a worldview in a more direct way than like just words or just like um, in cinema or something. Like it's, you can kind of like see how someone perceives how people move by the way they draw them moving. But um, so if you're just drawing yourself, like then it's, it's like a reflection and that's, you're the only real like victim of that. But if you're drawing like a stranger or someone who's like really close to you, it's sort of like, I feel like it's, it's sort of like when you tell someone that someone else looks like them, that person's always going to seem way uglier. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a person that's hearing that and I feel like perhaps on a deeper level if you're drawing someone and you're just saying like you look like this to me I feel like that's always going to feel like unless it's like a you know very painterly like beautiful idealized portrait which I'm personally not capable of drawing uh just like my skill level's not there no offense nope. <laughs> no offense <right? laughs> I believe in you um, Maybe someday, maybe. <laughs> so it's, um, I don't know, it's also like kind of embarrassing to like try and draw someone and then like have them see that, you know? Yeah. 
so I don't know for now some of the stuff I write it's stuff that never happened to me but it's just like easier to you didn't spend years in jail yeah the, no, yeah. <laughs> so there's a part of this where is that in couple um that's a couple yeah where uh his friend goes to uh what what jail it's um what's it called jail it's, it's with a, a t torrenting torrenting jail yeah, yeah. right well this is this one's funny because parts of like it's supposed to be two characters that aren't me at all but i did get caught by my parents once torrenting a bunch of uh i think it's like at then the newest like Kendrick Lamar album and like a bunch of other like like they they actually did get a letter from like the charter cable company about really how, uh, oh wow really yeah because we we definitely torrented back I in torrented the day. stuff I still torrent stuff so but it was before they could really track it because right. we went to college right around the time that they started tracking and I think Purdue had like an intranet which was eventually shut down but. Uh, the intranet was like their own version of Napster had like literally everything. <laughs> My uh, school literally made just, they just said like, here's free Napster cause, and they'll cover the costs. Yeah. So we ended up paying nothing really? for Napster. Yep. Yeah. Sick. So, but that was the wild west of, of the internet before when the web was still a web and not just a tangled mess of corporate shells right. yeah it was at the time it was kind of like you're gonna send me a letter to tell me to stop pirating music on the internet like yeah how are you gonna use an analog format to tell me to not do something digital <laughs> so stupid. really flexing on me but could they tell from the links that you were going to i'm sorry to go off topic but um i'm interested to know did they I know the files or, or did they just know that you were torrenting? They knew the files. Yeah. They somehow knew exactly what I downloaded. I think oh, wow. it was just like seeding it for too long. And I also think it was like an album that had just come out. So probably like the uh, record label was like putting more pressure to monitor that stuff or something. I don't know. Maybe they like leaked it to see who was, who was um, right. downloading it. Like they put a tracker in the code or something. It's possible. Did your parents yell at you and start laughing? <laughs> they didn't start laughing. Uh, so that was a bit of a rewrite of, uh, or that that's one thing about creating a fictional character, I guess, is you can sort of rewrite the uh, traumatic moments. Yeah. Uh, well, this was an interesting part of the comic. Uh, if we can get into um, this a little bit. You had a lot of prose in this comic, uh, which is unusual for a comic. Um, what was that? How, how did you come to that choice? I think it was just like, I, for the whole thing, I came up with the title first. I actually was just like drawing one night and like wrote that on a sheet of paper and then like posted it on my Instagram story or whatever. And then like, a bunch of people kept asking me like what that was. And so I just like wrote every one of these paragraphs, I guess, because then the text-based part of the narrative is broken up into paragraphs. Like I just wrote on a post-it note 
like put it in my notebook and then I was going to figure out like how to reorder them and like then what to draw. Oh, weird. So they they weren't connected at all? They weren't connected? They were, but I wasn't sure like, it was like a loose order. Like I think I still had to figure out like narratively like what stuff should go when, but um, I was going to figure out what to draw later and then I realized that the, the text parts were way too long. Uh, so then I thought I would do like the image images facing the text and like sort of convince myself that that was like um, like torrenting works by like downloading like disparate parts of a file and like yeah. I thought maybe <laughs> that would reflect the format would reflect that somehow I'm still like it actually it, I don't know. It felt pretty um almost like uh flashing between a news story and then like kind of what's going on in the jail, I guess. Does that Eric, what do you think? Um I thought like that was like literally was like I thought that was him imagining the TV show. Like I didn't take that to be reality because I thought because I thought it was like his friend just went to jail or his boyfriend or whoever his relationship was to him to asa just went to jail obviously that'd be on his mind so that's what i saw it as oh interesting like the images are the are like a tv show and the text is actually like a monologue (laughs) that's weird eric that's wrong (laughs) hey 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 art is subjective (laughs) okay okay my opinion, but I assume. Oh, sorry. I assume my opinion is bad. And I should feel bad, in the words of uh, Zoidberg. Yeah. Uh, actually, um, I'm reading Diary of a Teenage Girl right now. Have you ever read that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I ever... read some of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's kind of a. It's so weird. Um. But this reminded me of that in like almost that it's like a parody sort of (laughs) that's i yeah i wrote it before i started reading that and i'm realizing now uh i'm such a hypocrite because i opened up diary of a teenage girl and read like 30 pages or something and then i was like i didn't sign up to read a a book (laughs) (laughs) and now looking at this on the screen right now i'm like oh (laughs) that's exactly what i did i was like hey this guy's gonna make me read yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's very similar to that. You're right. And if if you haven't read that book, uh, the book is like a novel, and the character in the book is a comic artist. And as she develops as a comic artist, the uh, there's more and more comics in the book, kind of flashing between comics that the character is drawing, and then also comics of like real life events that the character's going through and also to point out that book is complete fiction <laughs> and uh really yeah it's complete fiction so it, oh, man. in that way i think it's a pretty cool book it's I, a weird subject i'd read other matter uh right right a lot of it's very uh icky yeah yeah um 
I like I've seen her comics elsewhere in like anthologies and stuff, and I've liked them. But oh, cool! It's not usually prose, then, right? Or is it? Um, most of the stuff I've seen, but it's also like those are like comics anthologies. So, like, I think. Oh yeah, they're for they, comics. Yeah. Right. Well, I would guess that it's not usually pro, like a diary because that that's just what the book called for. Right. I don't know. But it, it, you know, surprised me. I ordered it and it came and I was like, this is not a comic, but it's on all the top graphic novels of the 2020, you know, decade. And, and uh, it's like the top comic of the last 20 years. So, right. Got to try it, you know. I, I have to, my friend's moving away and I have her copy. I have to give it. She's moving tomorrow. I have to give it to her tomorrow. So maybe. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, she won't hear. This won't be out till next week. So just, it'll be true, too yeah. late if you forget Oops. by then. So you'll be yeah. fine. Right. So if you, yeah, if yeah. you forget, she, she won't know until next week. Yeah. I'll like read the cliff notes or something. <laughs> uh, cool. So how did you come up with the, the concept for couple? Just backtracking a little bit. Sure. Um, mostly I, some of these I made like a super long time ago. Like I said at the beginning, like some of it's from when I was living in Boston, some's from New York. Um, so they were mostly made pretty independently. And I realized after a while, I just like need to make, just put something together. Cause I think printing and having like a physical, uh, presence for your comics is like kind of a crucial part of it but I didn't have anything for a long while and so I looked through what I had and like other ideas that I hadn't drawn yet and kind of like figured that some of it worked in conjunction with each other um, I came up with this idea that I maybe I regret a little bit now of calling them all like romance comics when a lot of them aren't and like some <laughs> of them are about like like one of them is about my mom talking to me which it's weird in retrospect to label it that but I was like really Oedipus complex sorry <laughs> maybe <laughs> I hope not but it's like it, it's her talking to me about my brother and like not not really any of it's romantic at all but oh that's I, right I just, yeah your mother is kind of a jerk in that in that comic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I yeah, she is. Oh, uh, I'm gonna spoil. I really didn't mean it that it? way. It's really yeah, funny. Please. Yeah, your mother's like everyone has a way that their brain works. Some people have highways. Some people have country roads. Your brother has a super highway, and you don't. <laughs> oh, that's oh man. I feel so bad because I thought it was. The comic's about, maybe I was a little too, like, subtle about it, but, like, it's her, I have this really vivid memory of, like, my brother is on the autistic spectrum, and, like, of her coming to my room and ex trying to explain that to me as a little kid. Um, oh, oh but I interpret this very wrong, then. I, well, she did, too, because I showed this comic to her, and she was, like, she started crying, and I was, like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> Well, it's just, it, I thought it was more about like me being like a narcissistic little kid and being like, oh, he has that neurodivergence. I want that too. 
No, it may, it makes you sound like I'm smart. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, no, you're not. <laughs> He's the smart one. No, I actually interpreted that, that he was a drug. Uh, he was on drugs. Like, cause he's a super highway. I'm like, Man. oh God, he's on drugs. Whoa. Cause you kept on talking about the word highway. I'm like, what? Is this like subtly trying to say drugs? It's a little I'm, kid, Eric. Why I know. Kids? It doesn't, that's what I mean. I was, I'm over two in my interpretations right. today. My brother's in an MK Ultra. <laughs> um, yeah, that, okay. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to think about that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the art a little bit um, because uh, it's it's kind of, I, I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be rude, but it's all over the place uh, in terms of sure, yeah. form. Um, are these intentional choices or are you kind of like piecing together different days? I'm just leading a little bit, but I, so this comic is, um, has very broad strokes, and this comic has like detailed pen lines. For example, just the actual art style is different. Yeah, um, I think I was like, this comic covers like basically the first two years of me trying to make comics and figure out my voice or whatever. Um, so I, it is all over the place and I was all over the place uh, just trying to figure out like what I wanted, how I wanted to draw. The torrenting one is, that's the last one I made. That's, that was like, it was holding me up forever because I realized I needed it to be super detailed. Um, I see. If it was going, if I was going to have like a whole page of just images and a whole page of just text, like then the images I felt like needed to be like as rich. That's so interesting. You know? Because the torrenting one is the one I uh, I come to the most because it's the like maybe because it's the most cohesive and and like connected and well you know well written well drawn um, piece. Not that the rest isn't. It's just it's the one that's the most like with it's most like classically structured of all of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And there's a lot, of, I, yeah, a lot more content here, I think, because you wrote it out. Um, right. Cool. I, like, redrew these panels so many times. It's painful to look at now. Because well, I have like, some of the scraps of, like, old pages here. And, uh, uh, there's a lot of pen strokes, right? Like, yeah. um, right. So this mu also must have taken a long time to draw. Yeah, I would basically, like, for months I would like just come home after work drink like a six pack and like just draw line after line like until 5am wow uh, which I don't particularly want to go back to but it, looking at it now again it, I'm pretty satisfied with it oh yeah it looks it looks fantastic um, thank you and if you're listening along it's it's uh, all kind of like Lots of lines, lots of line drawing. Um, it's all pen. Is this pen? Or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like all like micron. Micron. Okay. Okay. What kind of paper do you use? Um, I've stopped doing this since, but at the time I was, I would basically um, draw on like a piece of 
do pencils on a piece of graph paper and then um, use a, put a piece of like transparent like vellum paper over it oh. or tracing paper um, and then do the pens on that. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it works. I'm going to pull up a different comic here. Um, so what, uh, most of your comics are black and white or all of them are black and white, basically. Is there, uh, yeah. Is there, is that a choice too? Kind of. I, I just mostly like, uh, it's partly just like laziness. I don't know. Cause I don't know anything about like color theory really, or like doing it digitally, I guess would be easy enough, but uh, just like separating the layers is like so much work. And yeah, uh, up until recently, I've been pretty like pressed for time. So black and white's been a lot easier and just more immediate and fun. Plus like I do, like a lot of the like 90s like black and white boom comics or whatever and that's yeah. like what i look to a lot so also when you said that your favorite uh comic book artist the one that did ghost world that made perfect sense to me because black and white and black and white right yeah he's like the king of that so this comic is the uh escape from boop propian yeah. How do you say it? It's bupropion. Bupropion. What is that? For a while I had it. It's a, it's a, like, it's an antidepressant drug that okay. instead of, um, it's not an SSRI. I like, I'm so dumb about this stuff. It like most antidepressants target serotonin levels, but I was taking bupropion for a while because my doctor was like, this is for if you're like not, this is dopamine. This just is like kind of the, it's just, you're, you're just getting more dopamine. It's just for when you're like a little down. Oh. Like, um, but that's just what I was taking. I don't know. Oh, okay. I was taking it for a while and like knew basically nothing about it, which is dumb, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So this comic's really interesting. Uh, you go into uh, at the end. Do you mind if I show the end? Is this are these no, please. spoilers or um, spoiler spoiler for everyone <laughs> listening? <laughs> you kind of attack yourself at the end, yeah. uh, which right. I, th I thought was really Fight Club uh, of you. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> also, was the story about the Italian waitress true? Is that also autobiographical or? That just, uh, that's just that's true. All those memories at the end are all real. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, like this, I thought was like this, this very much seemed like a very real story that a person could have. So that's why I thought it was autobiographical as well. It part of it. It started as like at the beginning, it very much was, and then by the end, it wasn't. I, um, well, Susan, uh, Susan Messing, who's a person you probably never heard of, um, she's one of the top improvisers in Chicago. Her way of describing all acting is you take a certain aspect of yourself and you push that up and you pull other parts down to make it like a different character. And that's just what I saw you were doing in your writing. 
was that you would push up certain parts of yourself for the story and write about and follow that thread. It's just how I personally saw it, especially yeah, in I, this one. Totally. Yeah, I I buy that um, for sure. It was like this comic started off like it was me because the, the part of the beginning about me losing my bottle of antidepressant drugs in my room is true uh and then i i lost it and then like a month later i was having like just like a shitty week uh and i was like oh it's because i just have been too lazy to get this prescription refilled and now it's like now i'm mentally ill again <laughs> um but then it just turned out to be like a bad week but i was already like in the middle of drawing this comic so it's like i guess i'll just run with like whatever feelings i was having then interesting it's like which ultimately ends with me deliberately spoiler alert getting a uh, captain america to, to murder me so you also killed iron man first too so right i really wanted to do that I was pretty stoked to do that. Not a big fan of Iron Man or just always oh, a dream of yours? I I just have a very ambivalent relationship with uh, the Marvel properties, I guess. I don't know. Because oh. that's like was what I started out reading. And I don't know. All the movies now make me a little like just how enormous they are and like how much money they're making. Just something about it. Uh, uh, success. Uh, right. How, right. Brag much? You're making a bunch of money and spending a bunch too. Right. Uh, artists doing things that people like. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I do think it's a little <laughs> bit cookie cutter, to your point, and it's like very uh, plastic and commercialized, right? It's not very human yeah. in some ways. They're not trying out anything new. The Joss, um, the Joss Whedon banter is not a realistic way of speaking for anyone. Nobody says that. Right. You know? Yeah. And it just makes you feel bad that you don't have friends like that. And then you just feel bad. <laughs> Thanks, Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, cool. Let's, I want to talk about this scene really fast. Um, so you're you're kind of attacking your formal former self, uh, like the screwed up version of you. Is that? Am I reading that it's, right? The I don't know. The they're both basically me. Like there's a line where they encounter each other, and one is basically from like the past, a month of the past, oh. but like by a month or two. Oh really? <laughs> Wow, so it's grew. effectively the same person. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure if that carried, but there's a line where he's like, "Wait, he he's the one that lost that uh, my pill bottle and lost like my this all this stuff. Like it's his fault, and I can tell because that was all that happened before I got my hair bleached, and my hair is bleached now, and his hair isn't. Right, which made me think that years had passed, but because oh, no, yeah. most people don't bleach their hair and, and then just see a former version of themselves that they want to kill. Yeah. So 
I just took it as the um, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world where you're facing like the dark self or yourself. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. The main character is blonde. You're facing the dark self, the version that you hated. Dark hair. Yeah. So I took it much I, more no, like, I love... fairy tale-ish. That's definitely in there. I like love those books a lot. Did... And I think, sorry. I was going to ask, did you actually bleach your hair? Yeah, last October, I uh, wanted to be Lou Reed for Halloween, specifically in this one interview where he has, like, buzzed and bleached hair. So I just oh. I did that. Cool. But obviously, it's for the listeners at home, they can tell it's gone now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. No, I, I think the Scott Pilgrim thing is definitely in there. It's like this whole comic was uh me and i have a quote on the back that kind of communicates this i think but like it's just me trying to like take all these very disparate influences in comics like there's some scenes where it's like a very frank miller-esque internal Mm -hmm. monologue and like obviously the avengers are in it i think that scott pilgrim reference carries and like but also all these like sort of mental health comics or like diary comics um and i try to read everything so i think it's a good portrait of like sort of the male psyche you know like yeah um, like at least comic book author psyche like you're you're trying to deal with like those tropes right that yeah definitely yeah and then also like being a hero in your own comic and right yeah Um, so i i like that a lot i I thought that was really smart there's like there's that part or i don't want to like just keep glorifying my own comic but (laughs) yeah you're you're right definitely yeah this is Um, where we talk about your comic so it's okay i guess that's true yeah well there's a part where like I um like I was thinking about like all these sort of like pervy underground comics guys like uh Crumb yeah. or like you got your Joe Matt or your Chester Brown and like how they like obsessively like document these like horrible thoughts that they're having. And so I wanted to do something like that, but like have the thought be a lot more innocent, like just waiting in line at a movie theater and you notice that the yeah, um yeah the box office person is like smiling and you're like ooh it'd be nice if like she's smiled at me but also like recognizing that there's a whole discourse around like like women demanding that women smile and whatever oh yeah so it's like oh, yeah this sort of self-lacerating thing over something that's like not even like me, my character like didn't do or say anything about that at all. Right. And it's of like, course the setup is there, right? I wonder if she'll smile at me and like, you're kind of like creepy looking in that frame. And, uh, right. And then you don't, you don't pay it off. Like there's no payoff. She, she doesn't even appear in the rest of the page. Right. She, she's just completely off. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, cool. Let's go on one more. You have another one here. 
Uh, do you have any, while we're talking about, do you have anyone that's like a personal favorite? I know that's like asking which of your kids is a favorite, but. Um, I mean, I like the new one. I think that was kind of a breakthrough in terms of like how I want to draw. Which one's that? One was that's, a lot more that's couple, right? The new one is uh, the Bupropion one. Oh, that's, okay. oh, yeah, okay. Um, okay. That's the one we were just talking about. Yeah. Right. Because that one was just like, couple was very, like, like I said, it took a lot of time and it was like kind of torturous for a lot of it. Because um, I thought I had to draw in a certain way and then drawing the Bupropion one was like actually a lot more fun and a lot easier to do in terms of like portability. Like I was doing it on like a little like notebook card or note mm -hmm. card booklet. Um, I also personally saw Bupropion as like of all three, like the biggest window to your soul. Like I really saw this character, like everything that they were, he was going through, everything he thought, all his oh, regrets, yeah. all he was trying to do. And having said that, it is also the, like the most, um, like the pages don't change style and it, you know, everything kind of looks similar, which is easier for a reader to kind of follow. Yeah. Um, it, it's more traditional, I guess, is professional, as Eric might say. <laughs> it's a lot more cartoony. Like the other one, it felt like I was drawing, but this one, it's more like, there's, I think there is a difference between that and like actually cartooning and like yeah. trying to implement like a visual language. Um, so I think this one was important to me. Is this the I one might make a sequel. Are you going to be publishing this? Yeah, that's, I just um, bought a risograph printer actually. Oh, which cool. This isn't like particularly like it's just going to kind of operate as like a basic printer but i'll be able to make a lot of copies of this wow and just wow. mail them out or something that's cool um so uh explain what that is for our listeners oh yeah sorry i, I, I know what also, that is uh, but right yeah um i also just i pronounce i keep doing this it's i guess it's technically pronounced risograph for okay. uh, the nerds but um <laughs> Hey, where are you from it's, originally? Me? I'm from Connecticut, a town called yeah. Trumbull. Okay. All right. I was just seeing if that was a Midwest risograph, you know, risograph. Oh, yeah, I could see. It's confusing because it's like rice-based ink, so you'd think it's rice. I don't know. It's stupid. Um, but it's like a, a form of printing where basically it's like a huge copy machine and there's like a drum on the inside that um it's like kind of midway between like a laser printer and a screen printing process where like you scan something in like you would on a copy machine it creates a master on a piece of like um like rice paper or whatever and then once that master is created um you can like shoot off a bunch of copies of that one page in like rapid succession um like much in a, the way you like screen print a t-shirt or whatever based off of like one master and can't you kind of like play with the colors too like um isn't it four color uh it's 
it's popular now because it looks great in color. However, okay. I have just a black ink drawing. You have no color. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably an offensive question. Some, some I was offended. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, but it's fun. It's a lot more like, requires a lot more physical effort and attention than, because I was also thinking about getting a laser printer, but it, it's a lot more fun. I don't know. Yeah. I, who knows? It also takes up a ton of room in my living room. So we'll see how long <laughs> it lasts. But um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about um, distribution and marketing. Like your, <laughs> sure, your, yeah. Your process. Maybe a short conversation. <laughs> uh, well, have you been in any zines? Have you submitted to any? Um, what, what, like, what, what kind of stuff do you look at doing after you complete your comics? Um, one thing that's been super encouraging is like I've been submitting pretty regularly to the last few issues of there's this um, anthology zine in Vancouver called Swamp Cone. Um, and there's usually some pretty cool stuff in that. And like, they have like open submissions for like pretty much anyone. Um, and so I've gotten into the past three issues and then last issue, um, me and my roommate were both in it, which is pretty, felt pretty good. Um, that's cool. Uh, so that, but you think, I think that's, that is, I think the only place I've had my work published. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is that Swamp Cone magazine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Their their website is expired. I was trying to pull it up, but Wait, really? Yeah. They like just got it back up again, I thought. Oh yeah, it's not working that, right now. That sucks. Cause uh, their store was down for a while too. So everyone because everyone kept asking me like where can I get an issue? And I was like, Well, I don't really know. Yeah, it says expired. Um Yeah. yeah. But their their Facebook page is up, uh, so you can go to at Swamp Cone Mag on Facebook and check it out. Ah, the Vancouver. So that's cool. Um, any other zines or any anything? Nah. Now you said that you were applying to the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo. Yeah, yeah. Have you been to, to that uh, before? this year? Yeah, I volunteered at it one year. It's like, it's a pretty good festival. I've like found a lot of like really good new stuff from them. And they have like, I feel like it's a pretty low key indie comics special. What, what the conventions are. Um, but they have like really good speakers. Like I, I think they got like Jaime Hernandez last year and like, Michael DeForge talked. I saw him talk. Um, oh, cool. And yeah, it's a cool, cool. I would have tried to table there this year, but this is going to be the big year where it's like I finally have enough physical media to justify tabling at conventions and then they no, all got canceled. No obviously. conventions. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you can save the paper, I guess. Right. Um, do you, uh, are you friends with any other comic creators? Like, um, 
do you share your work with other people before you I like kind of I like um I got my roommate and very dear friend Jimmy to start making comics basically so that I like now I have a, a comics I created a comics friend or bugged a friend into becoming a comics friend I know like a couple people and I know people who like to make comics but it's not like their main thing but generally like not a ton I wish more okay. I'm oh, trying cool. to collaborate with this other friend of mine but yeah we'll see <laughs> yeah that can be hard do you like collaborating right. uh or is, do you prefer working on your own? I like, I think, like I have some friends that I'm like, we can really bounce some good ideas off each other. And it would be nice to not have to like draw everything I write or write everything I draw, you know? Um, for a while, me and my roommate were like, whenever we'd be riding the train together, like either like he, he'd like write like a really short poem on his iPhone and then like in the notes app and then I would like draw like a weird face or something. So we'd kind of make comics that way. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. cool. And that was always pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That would be a fun, like I would, I would read that probably. That That's pretty cool. Um, it was, yeah. I like that. Daniel or Dan. Yeah. Is it Dan or Daniel? It doesn't matter. It's either. Yeah, people just choose. Uh, Mr. Mr. Welch, um, thank you for coming on our podcast. Um, Any Instagrams, Twitters, Facebooks that you'd like to plug? My Instagram is at at fathers underscore puka underscore shells dot exe uh i would love it if you <laughs> would follow me on instagram uh fathers shells.x good luck finding it but that's yeah. me fathers and puka is p-u-k-a right and shells and then dot exe now is that is that run anything if i enter that into instagram or is it is it an actual program nothing, nothing i've made no it's just <laughs> it's just an instagram page okay I, yeah okay as far as i know that's not a real program but i've never thought to check <laughs> okay uh and and uh how are you gonna print this comic and distribute it soon that'll be on your instagram page i'm assuming yeah 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 i'm gonna print it at home and then like i have a gum road so i'll probably put it up on there otherwise like i'll just post about it and ask if anyone's interested in me mailing it at this point like i'm not super interested in like turning it into a lucrative thing so like i plus like It'd be cool to just have an excuse to mail something out and like get the postal service some money but um <laughs> if it ever reaches anyone when you after you mail it right 
it sucks right now there are no stores open to like really like do consignment stuff with uh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's tough out here but it you know do it for the love exactly well you've been a lovely guest we've loved having well, you I thank you thank you've you been delightful much. hosts yeah thank you thank you thank you for lying about that but thanks <laughs> no, no, no. We uh, we hope to see your next, you know, your next project, your next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. We'll find that when we uh, do that program. We'll see the next project actually, the Dotty XC. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it links his next program and it links his next uh, project. So, Father's right. exe That's me. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much. All right, bye. Bye, bye. Good night. Okay. Okay. So for those who just joining us, we just had a great, great interview with Daniel Welch, like the grape juice. And now we're going to play What's That Color with Keegan Shiner. What's that color? What's that color? Okay. Come on down. Come on down. Is there a theme song? Okay, I think that was very close to being uh, copyright infringement. That's why I ended with today. Totally different. <laughs> totally different. Totally different. All right. Also, uh, is this song in public domain, though? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, crap. Isn't that Stars and Stripes forever? I, I, I don't even know what song it is. I think I think Stars and Stripes in the public domain, so I think we're fine. It's John Philip Sousa. It's copyrighted. One second. No, don't look this up. I'm killing this now. You have okay, while you look that up, I'm going to start talking about the color. Yes, it is in the public domain. Okay. All right, I'm eating my words. All right, uh-huh. I, I take it back. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. You were right. I was uh, wrong. I take I take apologies in the form of verbal or written. Sometimes okay, super I j- dance. I just said I'm sorry. Up, oh, perfect. See, verbal. Okay. All right. Uh, so this week mm-hmm. we're talking about. So we published Death Maze number one a couple of weeks ago, which we all know every single listener has read three times and keeps it underneath their pillow. For good luck. Yeah, I, you know, the analytics support that. I think. Yeah, it does. It's one hundred percent true. <laughs> if you keep that comic underneath your pillow, five days from now, you will be visited by the Secretary of State in dream form. Who's our Secretary of State right now? I think Mom, Mike Pompey. Mom Pompeo. Yeah, Pompeo. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's scary. That we don't know who the Secretary of State is. We want, we want people to read my comic, not. Oh, okay. Uh, the former sec, the former Secretary of State Martin Van Buren, <laughs> also a president, will visit you in dream form. Uh, still kind of scary. He had those huge mutton chops. I think. Didn't he have like that that big yeah. bushy? He had, big, he had big. He had a big mutton chops. Okay, first ever Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Ooh, as, he's been canceled this year. He's been canceled this year. All right. Yeah, um, he's done. Uh, okay. Uh, 
Henry Clay never became president, but was Secretary <laughs> of State for the corrupt bargain. We'll visit you in dream form. I think I think Henry Clay is actually a probably a pretty good person. Yeah, okay, we'll go with Henry Clay. Yeah. He'd probably be, be he would probably be pretty practical. Yeah. That's kinda hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh okay. So I've been trying to talk about color. Um well, we got segued <laughs> by Henry Clay. Yeah, we did. What's so, your opinion on Henry Clay? I don't care. <laughs> So I published Death Maze number one. Mm-hmm. These are two-page comics. They they're not they you wouldn't think that they take this long and be this hard to produce, but they are and they do. So, um, so after writing Death Maze one, I wrote six more Death Mazes, and now I'm for this podcast. I'm kind of going through the process so that our listeners can kind of follow along with their production. So Death Maze 1, I had, if, you're, if you haven't read it yet, you can go on our website, find it, um, and you'll see that I had three different colorists kind of work on that comic mm-hmm. and before I chose one. And the three versions are in that comic uh, PDF that you can read online. So for Death Maze number two, I wanted to talk about coloring your own comic um, because a lot of writers uh, might be graphic designers or and not comic book artists. And a lot of comic book artists don't color. They just do the pencils and inks, or they just do the pencils and, and no inks. Um, so there is some room to save some money and color your own comics. If you already know Photoshop or you already know Illustrator, you can do that. Um, so I'm going to share my screen. If you wanted to follow along with us uh, and watch this podcast, you can do so on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dumbcomiccreators. Doesn't cost anything to do, watch it, so it's a nice ad bonus. Yeah, we, we just put it up there so you can follow our screen shares mm-hmm. if you want to. So this is page one for Death Maze number two. Um, I do not see any color whatsoever. There's no color. I just wanted to show you the black and white version mm-hmm. before we get into it. So we have this establishing shot. We have some close-ups here of him turning into this uh, Hulk type of character, but it's and not he, the Hulk. He's also doing that by punching himself in the face. Yeah, yeah. He, he beats himself up in order to turn into this creature. Um, and then he keeps himself angry by hitting himself um, it's pretty, it's in, you know, it's just, it's death maze number two uh, mm-hmm. type of humor here. Uh, so you can see this can be done a couple of ways. So I wanted to start coloring this comic and. So I, you were going to color it yourself, not hire someone else to do it. That's right. For this comic, I wanted to color it myself. I had the tools. Um, I mean, and by tools, I mean, I know Photoshop. And I, I can follow a tutorial of how to color comics. And, and uh, I, I know some color theory from doing graphic design. So I thought this would go really easily. And uh, the follow-up question is, did it go really easily? Well, uh, I would say that it went horribly, horribly long. It took a long time 
to do. Horribly, horribly long, not wrong, <laughs> but long. Horribly, horribly long. That's right. Horribly, horribly long. Um, and you'll see a couple of different versions here. This is version one. Uh, Eric, describe this page. Uh, and this one, okay, so it is very, very brightly colored. Um, think I, the way I look at this, I'm feeling like I'm watching the uh, Transformers cartoons type of color scheme. Okay. Lots of blue, lots of red. Um, yeah. Also very interesting, though, too, though, is in the third picture, the one where he's hulking up, the yeah. background is not colored in whatsoever, which obviously was done on purpose. And I think it's kind of an interesting choice. It is interesting, yeah. But it, it's not very dynamic, and it mm -hmm. doesn't add any energy having this be just white space. Mm -hmm. um, you'll notice on this page that there's, uh, there's a little bit of gradient on, on the sky, but, but most of this color is just flat color which means that it's completely one color. There's no shading, there's no highlights. Um, another thing to note is on this version, I have uh, lots and lots of mistakes um, with the coloring because I did not do the flat coloring correctly. So- Also, there's a lot of bleed through if you look at it, so. Right, um, so anywhere where I use the paint can, uh, or the flood fill, which is what it's called in Affinity. Um, the, uh, there's this like little line of, of whatever color was there before where the, the pixels didn't meet and it didn't actually fill in. I also wasn't like zoomed in very close on the artwork when I was um, highlighting. So there's lots of overlap of the brushwork of the colors and you just like there's everywhere you look at this page, there's going to be mistakes. So what did you learn from this first one? Like, obviously you learned you weren't happy with this, but what did you learn? Like, did you learn like how you're going to fix it going forward? Did you learn what you're going to try to do? Cause obviously if you've done the disco one and coloring, you said you probably want to do it again in the future. Well, this is version one, right? So, yes. So obviously um, we have to go to version two and see how you changed it. Yeah. Well, for one thing, I think what made this all of this process difficult is that the artist gave me a file that had 50 billion layers. And I'm going to zoom out so you can see. So like layer one, layer two, layer three, layer four, layer five, layer six. And it's, it's like all the panels are layers. And then there's, mm -hmm. a, then there's within those those aren't even layers. Those are just groups of layers. And within those groups, there's like 10 more layers. And uh, so to do color on this file was really difficult. So the first thing I learned is to put the color in like one, on one layer to make everything easier. Um, and even on this first version, I had color on multiple layers and it, it's messy and difficult. Uh, but some of that is because the of the layers that the artist left me. So if possible, ask the artist if they can combine stuff down to be just lines and background <laughs> or lines, panels and panel lines and background because uh, this file is pretty messy, I think. Yeah, it looks like it went through a lot of just adding more and more and more and more. Okay, so 
let's look at version two of page one. So this is the current version. So this is the version you went with. So for those that can't see, the colors still say somewhat similar in that um, the, the red of the shirt stays the same, the blue sky, but there's a lot more dynamic changes. Um, it's also just a much more, um, it's just much more, it's just better looking. So I'm trying to find an artistic way of saying that. I think but it's energetic. It's or, energetic. Or... It reminds me of the night sky in a good way in that mm -hmm. it's not all the same darkness and the brightness. Like things are affected by the stars or if you have a light or, or near stuff, you can see different things. Um, also, the colors seem to not bleed through um, and not change. They just There's a lot more added detail to everything. So how did you go about this one to make your life simpler? Uh, and also, was this also going through with the 50 layers that the previous one had, or were these layers combined? So this one is also, I mean, there was really no way to get around dealing with these layers. Mm -hmm. And um, because the artist also has like these white lines, which are part of his his black lines, which... Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's intentional or if they were supposed to be deleted or if he thought this would just be a black and white comic or, or what, but they're very <laughs> annoying and I didn't really know if I should delete them or not. And, uh, and I'm sure a, a, a colorist, a professional colorist would just deal with those in a better way than I am. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, this, you, so you just, Did you just leave them in there was your ultimate decision? Yeah, pretty much I left them in there because they're, they're motion lines and, uh, and when I did delete them, it, it didn't look as good. Um, and again, I'm kind of new to this, so I didn't want to rock the boat too much um, from what this, what this artist was doing. Um, ultimately, I think it, it still looks really nice, right? Like even though there's some white lines here, it, it looks good and the color looks good. Um, so this time I went with uh, most of the colors are all on one, uh, on one layer. Mm -hmm. If you see, I'm flipping it on and off and you can see most of them are on one, um, one or two. Uh, there's one panel here where like everything I did on the color had to be in that group of layers for some reason. And, uh, and and that's because um, it was like a computer screen and he had uh, changed the opacity on the actual lines to be grayed out and because it was a screen. So in order to have the color also be uh, at a lower opacity, I had to do the color in that group of layers. Uh, again, all of this would be solved if he had just merged all the line, line art uh, if or, you had uh, unlimited time and nothing to do it, would you prefer to be able to draw or add colors to each layer and see where that went? Or you think it ultimately was better by just doing it on the one layer? No, I think uh, if you're doing color, it's, it's going to be easier to do it on one layer. Okay. Um, so one thing about the color here. So I'm going to turn off a couple of these and show you actually how I did it on one of these. So you show your, you, you select your rectangular selection tool. Um, mm -hmm. 
and then I'll just make a new color layer. Uh, so you, and you select the outside of um, the panel that you're working on, just one panel. And then you use the flood fill and make sure that contiguous is unchecked and everything uh, up there is set to, to zero basically. Um, and then you fill it in at a, at a certain color. Choose any color and then you just fill mm -hmm. that, that whole layer in yeah. with that color. Ah, I see. Then you use the, uh, the painting selection tool. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to do maybe just to show you, you can select the, um, just the hat, I guess. I'll just do the hat really fast. Okay. And sloppily. Well, you just select you. Uh, so this is filling in a selection you, of the hat. Are you purposely not zooming in because to save time? Yes. It, yes. Okay. So normally for those watching, if you're doing this, uh, not for the sake of brevity, but for the sake of perfection, zoom in and get a much more uh, closer part to the hat. Right. Then uh, you can make that hat any color you want. Um, and it, as long as this contiguous is not checked, uh, when you do this selection, it'll just fill in that hat. Um, and then as you keep doing this, you just keep going further and further in with your selection tool. And then, uh, and so again, I'm just being sloppy right now to. Um, but so you could change that part of the hat that you want to, to be red. If you want to, you could change his fists and hands and shirts. Yeah. So it's a long process. Did you say, did you get faster at it as time went on? Obviously you got better at it just for those comparing number one and number two. Number one right. is much, much better. Or number two, I mean, is much, much better. Yeah, so what I got better at is I actually went and between one and two, I actually, I pulled out a uh, Frank Miller comic called The Dark Knight um, Strikes Again. Like the sequel that. to The Dark Knight Returns, I believe, correct? Yeah, and it's, people hate this comic. And they, and they used to hate the the coloring which is by lynn varley but it's um the coloring is actually very modern and most modern comics now copy this coloring um meaning that it's a lot of like gradients and uh dynamic or uh almost like the coloring is copying a um a uh, noir but with color so um, I, I studied some of those pages and I, I kind of tried to copy some, some of those styles that she uses in that comic. Mm -hmm. And I, it looks really good. Uh, just like not related to this. Do you think the Dark Knight Strikes Again is a comic that should be reevaluated by people because you think it's very, it's very much under uh, appreciated? Yeah. I actually think or, it was ahead of its time. Or overhated. I think it was ahead of its time, and people thought that Frank Miller kind of dialed it in for this comic, um, and was like sloppy with the writing and stuff. But uh, and and especially that Lynn Varley was sloppy with the color because she used Photoshop um, for the first time, mm -hmm. and previously she had only used paints and watercolors. Um, so they, they really hated the Photoshop look 
at the time. This was the early 2000s. Um, but if you look at any current Marvel DC a, book. Yeah, a current Marvel DC comic, they will never do it by paint. It's always done by Photoshop nowadays. And, and they are copying the style of this comic, really. And also, if you watch, like even like every modern day Magic the Gathering card is made by Photoshop now. That's just how wow. if you're making a mass media something, it's going to be done by Photoshop. It's no longer done by hand. On, like, which I think is not to, I think sometimes to the detriment because I think some of the old school art was much better uh, done by hand than it was done by computer. Yeah. I think what I learned doing this is that, um, well, and I noticed after I did this that a lot of comic colorists don't do the background in detail as much as I did. And I understand why. It takes a long time to do all this detail. Yeah. Uh, for those who are just listening and not watching, first of all, why? Second of all, um, <laughs> uh, there. If you scroll back up, Keegan, if you look at the background, it go. There is at least five colors. I'm counting six. There's purple, blue, light Every blue, one of these dark is a blue, orange, Every, red, green, color. and like a yeah. bunch. There's also a bunch of different just uh, parts, and it's all done separate by each part, so it looks more natural like what you would see if you went to someone's house. What, what do you mean by that? Well, like if I'm in the real world right now, yeah. um, so like, so when I, so when I was growing up as a kid, like each different part of the house had its own color because like we didn't paint, like so one oh, part okay. of the wall would be white, one part of the wall would be black. I mean, my house is only white and black, so it didn't have as many colors. Yeah, but it had each individual part. Was that it wasn't just this house is all white, this house is all black. It's not like that. I see. I see. So you'll see on on this. Uh, I still have some like detail work to do to like fix it, but I'm I'm pretty happy with the colors, you know. And this is my first and possibly last crack doing the colors for a comic. Um, um, how did you do so on the very bottom page there's a flashing uh, it looks like a button switch yeah I'm not sure how did you go about doing that one because that one obviously uh, it's not contained just within the part itself it's, it looks like it's a siren going off sure um, that is done using a gradient tool um, and actually to show show you this I'm going to make him glow like that okay uh, so i'm selecting so i have my uh selection tool to like select colors certain colors um and now if i use my gradient tool i can i can make him like a gradient right um and then if i set that to be elliptical it'll originate from an origin and kind of circle out like that and is that what you did with the uh, purple background? You scrolled up? Uh, sort yeah, sort of, yeah. So that's going from this yellow color to like pink, hot pink, and then to dark purple, you can see. Yeah, so that one also that too. So I was also actually even referring to just, because the, the very top left is almost black, whereas if you keep on going further down, it goes purple, more purple. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, Here, I'll do, I'll do that to this to this guy right now and, and you can watch so i set it to elliptical mm -hmm. and then i change the colors uh and i'll even change these to be 
the same as the background, right? So it's, uh, it's going from yellow, and then I added a color for um, what hot pink. And then our last color is that dark purple. Um, okay, but it still looks kind of weird. So you can, um, weird is in like tiny on, on this, on what I'm trying to color. So you can pull the actual gradient to change uh, where each color affects. So now you can see it, it's more like the background of the page um, in that the purple is on the edges and uh, it's kind of radiating out like that. No, that, that looks really, really cool. Okay. And then also um, on the background, I used a paintbrush to add that splatter effect. So I went to brushes and I used like a, I think I used like a, a spray brush. So yeah, so that's a really cool effect and it looks really, really neat. Obviously like right now that guy looks like he's part of the Space Force or he's powered <laughs> by the cosmos. Yeah, but that's that's what the background's doing actually, yeah. you know, if you look at it, so. And um, that, that creates like a very like dynamic, like almost alive comic. Like you actually, like you would expect, like if this was ever animated to a cartoon, you could see that happening. Like those yeah. color schemes have it that way. Yeah. Which is really nice. And to be completely honest with you, um, a lot of these pages from Lynn Varley's uh, The Dark Knight, Knight Strikes Again, she uses mm -hmm. particles on those gradients a lot. And, um, and I think it adds kind of like a painterly quality to the, to the color. And it adds that texture that you get when you're working with real medium. Um, and that's, the, at least that's what it does for me, so. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then I'll show you just page two, just to kind of show you how they fit together. Are you finished coloring page two or is that still a work in progress? Uh, I think page two is pretty close actually. Okay. To being done. Um, does your coloring match, uh, uh, so this is volume two, correct? This is, um, this is page two. Yeah. Page two, value two is what I mean. Because you said this is the second in Death Maze that you, you're doing, that you're working on? Yeah, Death Maze the, two. Uh, how did you go about matching, so not to be racist, but the same color skin of the characters from the previous? Because these are the same characters, correct? Oh, um, they're the same characters, but because they're different um, artists, mm -hmm. um, I'm going with the, like... It, it doesn't matter as much to me. Okay, so you're not going to be, you're not trying to make them mesh 100% because of different artists. No, because the, each artist is drawing these characters differently. Um, so yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't consider that. I, I tried to kind of match similar, mm -hmm. but because it's such a different character design, mm -hmm. um, it, it seemed hard to try and match that. Also, not every. I'm not the same colorist as Death Maze 1. Yes. Uh, Obviously, if, if I was making a, a full issue comic or I was trying to uh, make a comic with the same artist or uh, with two artists that were mimicking the same style, I would try and keep the color similar too. But um, in this comic especially, I, I, I didn't really care that much. This is my interpretation of the color, of how it would look. Mm -hmm. 
and not related to coloring are those people doing yoga yeah so uh our character like gets through this maze but like because his weakness is is being mad at like beating himself up he like ends up in this very relaxing environment and And then he he shifts back into his human form and gets eaten by pandas okay coming soon (laughs) um there are no bubbles like to like that you're saying like you're writing like there's no words on this are you gonna have to color in the word bubbles when you get to them or is there not any word bubbles here period so um you're you're talking about the lettering yeah the lettering the lettering is the last step when you're making comics so uh last time i had had a letter make the make the letters for for the death maze one um I think next week we're going to be talking about how I tried to letter this comic myself. Um, maybe, maybe that, maybe I'll leave that for Death Maze Three. But um, yeah, so so the letters come last. So once the color is locked in, then the letter or will go in and and fix this stuff. Makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so I yeah, I might have spent way more time on the color than somebody you you would hire to do the color because I I colored in like every little detail of the backgrounds. Um but that's just because that that's kind of my style. That's my my color style. Also this is your time to learn, time to grow, stuff like that. Yeah. So, but I had a good time doing this, you know, and I had the Photoshop skills and like the time. Um and I, I enjoyed doing this and it's not really what you would see from other comics too much, you know? Yeah. Um, I just think, uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's like, a, here, here they are next to each other. So I, I tried to match the backgrounds a little bit too. Um, in the, the similar colors There's like purple is like a very common theme throughout yeah any reason why you chose purple or you just like purple i chose purple so that goes into color theory and there's a lot of books on color theory uh but kind of just to simplify really basically my main character is orange so orange is um complementary to purple and orange is like next to red and yellow. Um, so, and that's why, and also um, clashes with green. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there's there's lots of ways that colors interact with each other, but putting orange next to purple is kind of pleasant. Does that make sense? Or it, 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 it makes orange That's as good as an explanation out on color theory as the <laughs> the explanation that we got about jazz was from la la land oh man <laughs> uh for those listeners who don't know keegan uh also in his free time plays music yeah. and he hates the explanation that la la land gives about <laughs> jazz because it's the most white watered down version of jazz i think i've ever heard in my life it is it's it's jazz yeah. Also, it's not very accurate either, even too. So it's not. It's not at all. Um, yeah. So I just butchered color theory, and um, thanks, thanks for that. 
You're welcome. I was trying to think what uh, superheroes are orange and purple, but there aren't really. No, there's not very many orange ones. Period. I mean, there's an orange Hulk at times, but that's about it. There's that comes down to like the original printing um, process for comics, mm-hmm. and orange was like harder to make between red and yellow. Uh, it was hard to get like a consistent orange from mm-hmm. printer to printer, so. Uh, they avoided it. They they did red, they did yellow, they did blue because those were colors they could print easily. Uh, I just saw saying there's the orange lantern as well. That's like the only one I can think of in times that's actually orange. And he's literally orange lantern. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to hang, hang up this Zoom call and just immediately think of like five also we'll probably get a bunch of emails like <laughs> listing them all like you forgot this guy, you forgot this guy, you forgot this guy. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that just looking at these two pages and um, thinking about the comics that you've read, where do you think this stands in terms of comic color? Does it hold water? I think it holds water. I also think like it's also so much more detailed. It's something that the fact that there's only two pages makes sense to me that it's only two pages because this would just be super hard to do. Like for multiple, multiple, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and telling a two-page, so I did a two-page story just to refresh everyone's memory. I did two-page stories because it's more difficult to write. And I was trying to really kind of push the my um, understanding of comic writing at the time. So I was, so these two-page comics are hard to draw, hard to write, hard to color. Um, but rewarding when you finish them well i i find the most hardest the hardest two ways to write something is is to write something super short or something super long because if it's super short you have to somehow get everything in such a concise manner that it's very hard to do and if it's too long you have to add so much detail you're never sure if it's accurate or correct right like how do you keep people interested in a long in the long form like so, my big problem with Game of Thrones is each book's like eight thousand pages. At some point, I might forget what happened in page one when I'm at page eight thousand. Yeah. Um. So cool. So that's that is the uh, coloring update for this comic. Um, cool. If you're listening to this right now, I should have a write up of this on our website, dumbcomiccreators.com. If you wanted to see uh, screenshots or something like that. You can also head over to the Patreon page, uh, support two great emerging writers. Uh, and podcasters. And podcasters. And uh, just being a fantastic people. <laughs> that, that's the best you can do? Just be uh, fantastic people? Well, I mean, that's a good rule for, in general. Just be a good person. I mean, I, that's just a rule of thumb. Like, hey, people. Be a, guy, be a good person. It is a good do, rule. Yeah. Do you disagree with that, Keegan? Do you, are, do you have something against people being good? No, I'm I'm for it. Okay. I'm just, I'm just uh, saying. I know this like you know controversial time where it used to be everyone could say the Nazis <laughs> were the bad guys. Not anymore, apparently. Wow. No, I don't think that's true. I just think that the bad guys are are willing to go outside, and the good guys are not. Just staying home. <laughs> but in the long one, we'll live and the bad guys will die. So, 
Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's how it should be. Yep. Uh, did you read anything this week? Uh, I did. I read a comic called Sex and Violence. Um, cool. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, so, Sex and Violence is by Jimmy Pilati and Justin Gray. There's two separate stories in it. That's why they have two separate authors. And the artwork is by Jimmy Braxton and John Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, not going to show any images by it. Uh, just two separate storylines. Um, one is about a hitman who is using sex with a prostitute to be able to get the people that killed his son. Okay. And the other is about a police officer who becomes obsessed with her neighbors and gets to the point where um, she pretty much hunts someone down and ends up with the... Uh, so her neighbor is getting abused by her boyfriend slash husband. Uh-huh. And she becomes obsessed with a girl like trying to protect her. And so it gets to the point where like she kind of hunts down and pretty much kills the bad guy and ends up with a girl. Okay. And there's gratuitous amounts of nudity. So that's why I'm not showing it. Do you think it was worth having the gratuitous amounts of nudity? No. Or is it just literally just to kind of sell the guys who want to see nudity? It's kind of like to sell guys to say the nudity. Like, honestly, having it didn't add to the story. I think it actually kind of like distracted me from it. Okay. And the artwork wasn't so great that I was like, oh, this is beautiful. This is so great. It was like, uh. All right. Yeah, so let's talk about the art then. Uh, sounds like the story was... Story wasn't that good. The art was solid in the that like in that um the character like, in how any modern art or any modern comics art is solid. Not extraordinary, not something that um stood out to me. Okay. The only reason like it's memorable is uh it's because the, the boobs, honestly. Oh okay. <laughs> uh all right. So and what I'm not even going to follow that up. It sounds like it was pretty standard uh, Marvel-style comic. Yeah, Yeah, it's very standard Marvel-style. Okay. And uh, what about the color? Uh, Coloring, for the most part, was noir-style. So there are a lot darker colors, darker shades. Okay. Um, Blacks, a lot of reds. Does it feed Um, into the story at all? Yeah, Uh, it feeds into the story. Because all of them were kind of depressing stories. Because one's... And it all takes place at night for the most part, so okay, it feeds into storyline. So that was the so I, I give it like a solid C, C or C plus. I give it a solid B because it's it's above or it's average, but not uh, but above average in a good way or whatever. That's how I describe it. I see. Um, and the lettering, lettering standard Marvel, nothing special at all. Okay, okay. Um, cool. Well, what about the uh, je ne sais quoi? That's a French term. It is. Um, not really. They're really like, the reason why I read it, <laughs> I read it was because, um, I bought it because I, I bought it because it was on a super sale. It was for a dollar because, yeah. um, the, one of the owners at the comic book store wasn't a big fan of it. It was just trying to get rid of them because he didn't like having, he just oh, like okay. having nudity on his comic book rack. Yeah. So 
we have so like they were all physically you had to take like tape and cover up because even the cover has nudity on it and so we would always we were always taping it over and we just kind of was like i think he's like just get rid of it just pretty much oh. toss it in the dollar bin i see um cool well i'm gonna uh say that is a pretty solid overview on a Thank scale you. between paper cuts on your feet as you walk across uh hundreds of miles of index cards and a uh, a giant free chocolate cake that you're allowed to just like jump on like it's a bouncing bouncing castle <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you give this comic paper cuts on your hands it was not good oh wow <laughs> all right so that's that's pretty bad for all you listeners I suffered for you for reading this. <laughs> What's the name of that comic again? Sex and Violence. Sex and Violence. All it right. delivers sex and violence. It is what it is. It's just that it's not very good at either. If you're into those two things combined. Yeah, if you're into those that... two things combined, first of all, okay. Second of all, <laughs> why? Third of all, just get it elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I read something too. Uh, okay. it, it's a quick comic. Um, and, you know, I, I, uh, I want to talk about it because it is also got Jimmy Palmiotti involved. Wasn't he in the sex and violence? Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah. What do you do in that? He was one of the writers. Oh, okay, so this one, the script is by Garth Enos, pencils and lettering by Amanda Connor, inks by Jimmy Palmiotti, colors by Paul Mounts, um, and the the book is called The Pro. Have you ever read this? I have never read this one. Okay, so The Pro is, from what I've gathered, kind of a cult comic. Oh, I've seen I've seen this before. I've not read it though. Okay, uh, it's kind of a cult comic. It's about. Um, and it sort of, uh, I have to say, it did sort of subvert some of the comic tropes, especially of the 90s when it was made. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of like about a prostitute who gets superpowers and like, and has to join the Justice League, sort of, in like sort of the chaos she causes from that. Um, and just like Sex and Violence, it has a lot of nudity and sexual situations um a prostitute having sexual situations i don't believe you yeah uh it does so but i will say that even though the prostitution is very generalized and um and you know it's very masochist masochistic is that how you say that that's how you say it yeah you're right yeah, I mean, it, it's drawn by a, a, a woman. It's drawn in, it's pencils and lettering by a woman. So I, some of this is at least approved by the... the uh, so you're saying if you pay a woman money, she might do it? <laughs> by, the, uh, <laughs> geez, by the other gender, I guess. I don't, yeah. I, maybe it's not approved, I don't know. But uh, it, does, it does talk of... So the reason I liked it is it subverts sort of like the 
what you might think this comic would be about. It's about her actual life. It does suck. She is poor. Um, she is what quote unquote classless. Um, and this alien like makes a vet bet that she won't like rise to the occasion and you know, that typical fish out of water type of story. Mm-hmm. Um, once she gets the power, she's like kind of like pressured into joining the justice league. Um, and they're sort of stereo, like, uh, they're not stereotypes. They're exaggerations of the actual justice league. And they even look sort of like the justice league in a way that should have gotten them sued. Um, and, uh, and like, there's some like very, would yeah. definitely get oh, wow. cancel cultured. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of this stuff, but, um, let me guess. Superman is beyond pure. That next person is obviously Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. Yeah, there's a very strong like uh, Dom situation going on with the Batman character mm-hmm. um, and Robin, you know. Yeah. And this is the Robin character. Uh, so yeah, and the if you're listening, the Robin character is like underneath the Batman's legs in this panel. It's just strange i mean in the original or in a lot of the older batmans they used to sleep in the same bed so. oh god <laughs> all right so yeah so it's definitely subverting some of that and mm-hmm. and just uh being very plain with those um with those uh usual what, what's it called those usual expectations yeah exactly okay um so she joins and then um she kind of corrupts them from within and uh it ends it ends uh i mean this comic is a one-off it's there's no nothing else that happens Mm. um so how does it end then if you ain't spoiling i think she sacrifices herself in like the ultimate sacrifice um and but it's all like been arranged by the alien so it's kind of a tragic story and I think they're they also have to like take care of her child. Um, so anyway, okay, it's so, it's it's sort of a, and all right, yeah. So let's talk about the art. The art is very um, early image comics, Marvel sort of. Um, it, it's very interesting the way she draws like the differences between the superheroes and the and like the prostitutes' home life. Like there's a lot more grunge to her than there is to the superheroes, mm-hmm. but that's kind of like the only like standout part of the art. The rest of it's very cartoony. Okay, uh, the lettering. The lettering is pretty standard. Again, nothing too out of the ordinary. Okay. Same with the colors. Cool. Do the art and the the art support the story, or kind of take away from it? Uh, I I thought it did support because it it um, it's not too exaggerated and the story is very exaggerated, mm-hmm. so um, the art actually grounds the story a lot and makes it like a little more believable, even though it's still pretty cartoony. Um, but it, it makes it it makes you kind of believe that this could be like a Justice League comic, which is exactly what it needs to do because it's a satire, you know? So so that's a good thing. Um, all right. Uh, so 
now we need to talk about a French term. Uh, it's on the top of my head. Uh, the je ne sais quoi. Ah, yeah, the French term. The French uh, term. Um, okay, so that is probably the writing. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would say it's the satire of, and the reason I would say it's the satire, this comic book really deals with class divisions between um, like the rich people of the world and the poor people of the world. And it throws this uh, prostitution prostitute into the realm of superheroes, commenting on them being sort of like the elites of the world and her kind of corrupting them and like compromising their morals or did they have any to begin with? And they've obviously never done anything to solve her issues before, even if they're like solving uh, solving the saving the world every day they're not keeping her off the street you know so she goes back and she kills this guy who's like taking advantage of prostitutes and or killing them i think and and they get all shocked when she does that and yeah and there's some other stuff i'm not going to mention on the podcast but but that's kind of like the major gist of it is like this alien thinks that she's no good because she does this job that she does to like basically earn survive. her survive. Yeah. And, you know, and, and essentially like she calls them on their shit, <laughs> you know? Okay. So yeah. Overall, if you had to rate this between um, getting stabbed with a rusty, spoon that's not sharp just kind of pokes you and it feels weird and <laughs> it's kind of scratchy oh. to getting a beautiful bouquet of flowers every single morning that smells fresh and actually acts as um a cologne every single time you pick it up in the morning so you always smell fresh and great what would you rate this um, I would say this is like a bar of soap. Um, <laughs> it gets, it uh, gets the job done. Uh, not anything special, but you kind of need it. It's neutral. Yeah, it's neutral. Yeah. I, I think it's more like a historical document <laughs> <laughs> or like, like something to like, kind of like look at. Cause it's uh, it, a footnote in history. It's not breaking any ground today on any of these themes or anything. Um, but I, from what I've read, it, it did at the time kind of like um, subvert a lot of what was going on at DC and Marvel. And um, the character is, is a pretty strong woman. You know, I'll, I'll point that out. So um, so it, it's good, but it's not, good. it's not great. And it... It's good that it's a one-off because if it was more than a one-off, it would have been problematic, I think. I could see that. All right. But it's a good one-off, yeah. Good one-off. So uh, for those who are listening, we're kind of starting to wrap up. Uh, Make sure you check out our Patreon page or our website, Dumb Comic Creators. Uh, My name is Eric Schwartz, and I'm joined by that 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 that
So I was interrupted so rudely, and I demanded an apology. And I'm Keegan Shiner, is what I was going to say. I was going to say, I and I'm Keegan Shiner, but you were going to say, and I'm joined by. And I am joined by. More like you were joined by, right? I am in the state of being joined by. We need a catchphrase. We need a catchphrase. I'm going to edit it right from from right now. This is the beginning <laughs> of our podcast. Beginning of the podcast. Oh, man. We really need a guest, too, then. <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya.